Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Nina Panchik, joined by Irina Falcone. Hey Irina. Hey, how's it going? Our special episode today features Fabrice Martin. He's a 34-year-old French doubles specialist, ranked number 26 currently. I caught up with him at World Team Tennis in West Virginia a few weeks ago. We talk about the French Open, his tennis career, and how doubles in France is kind of underappreciated. This is a guy who reached the final of the French Open last year with Jeremy Chardy and just reached the Rome final with Jeremy as well. So he's going to be kind of a favorite in Paris, his home slam. It's a pretty cool conversation. But Irina, let's catch up with you before we get into that. You're fresh off the U.S. Open commentary gig. How was that? It was a lot of fun. Uh, The one thing that I can probably say is that I learned a lot. Like, I mean, there were just so many things that I wasn't aware of that you had to be conscious of. For example, when I was in a host position, they were like, okay, friendly reminder, don't say anything uh, like today, tomorrow, right now, or earlier or anything time related, because you never know who's watching at what like time zone they're in. So that was one thing that was like, ah, oh, makes perfect sense, but you just don't think about it. And then another one was um, never say he or she, because you have to be able to talk about the person that you're like talking about, because in case someone is not watching necessarily the match. Um, and so just little things like that, that were brought to my attention that made me a better speaker. Um, but it was really cool. Just the fact that I was able to commentate on girls that I've played before. I think there were only two girls that I commentated on their matches where I hadn't played before. So everyone else, I was like, oh yeah, this is probably a good time for her to use her big serve or her big slice or this and that. So it was fun. It's fun hearing players who get to do commentary because it seems like a natural transition or a natural, even a side gig for players. I know Bethany Maddox-Sands did it. Nick Monroe is doing it now. Tons of players have and will do it. Did you Mm -hmm. enjoy it? Would you do it again? A hundred percent. One of the things that they said as I was leaving was like, next year, we'd like for you to do more of the digital media side of it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's awesome to hear. So when you have that feedback, is it's really good. And that was the one thing um, I made sure to ask the producers every day. I would be the bothersome commentator girl, the, the rookie pretty much that would come every day and be like, tell me how I can do better. Tell me how I can do better. And then I was very adamant of the fact that if I'm better, it makes them look better because it's their show. So we were all in in agreement and uh, it was a lot of fun. I got to work with some really high level professionals and commentators. So part of it was intimidating, but it was fun to just get, dip my feet in there. I heard you a lot. So I enjoyed it. I thought you were great. If that means anything, it should, but it was, it does. was fun. There's been a few people that have come up to me and they're like, oh my God, I heard you on ESPN three, or I heard you on this channel or I heard you on this one. I'm like, oh, oh, cool. Cause you just never really know who's listening. And even if you post about it, some people might not get access to it. And, you know, it just depends on what, um, 
I guess what channel you have and all those things really take part. So, but it's always fun to hear feedback, whether good or bad. How weird was being on the U.S. Open grounds without fans? Because the French Open coming up and it's going to have, I think, 5,000. They're changing it every day. But right now it's 5,000 fans only in the main stadium. But how weird was there being no one? It was super eerie at first. But to be honest, I think every single player can attest to the fact that it was truly relaxing. And you don't hear that when you're in a slam. You think of the stress and, the, and like the drama and the crowds and all this stuff. And especially with New York. But being able to just go on the grounds and see multiple like Grand Slam champions walking around, absolutely no care in the world, just like moseying on, knowing that there's no one that's going to come crashing into them or, you know, chase after them for autographs. I think a lot of players were very relaxed in that sense. And the USTA, ATP and WTA did such a good job with making sure that safety was the number one priority. So I think that on top of the fact that they were relaxed, everyone was just, it was a great environment i still can't believe they pulled it off but they did so beautifully i agree i also can't believe they pulled it off pretty seamlessly there's obviously a few hiccups but it seems the french open will be a whole another beast especially because like i said they're going to allow fans i don't know how they're going to plan on keeping them separate maybe obviously barricades sounds like an obvious way to do it what's your take on the french open happening this late i mean it's going to be cold that's the one thing i i've actually spoke to quite a few people and they said that it's already like it's not necessarily like oh it's a little bit chilly in the afternoon or in the night it's 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 getting up there so it's only going to get a little chillier but players adapt I've played last year in Houston and it was I think 41 degrees out Fahrenheit so that's pretty darn cold and I remember like they were saying that all the rules went out the window in regards to leggings and like sweaters and stuff like that, because it's like, Hey, if you want me to come out here, I'm going to wear everything I can to stay warm. So all these players are going to adjust and they're going to adapt. But uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see how they're going to be able to pull off so many fans and you know, fingers crossed that they're able to just keep everyone safe. I think players are just eager to get a chance to play the French Open no matter what time of year it is. The weirdest thing for me, especially from a coverage perspective, we'll be doing this all over again in May. It just seems really quick, right? If we if it all stays how it's supposed to the next year's schedule, like we're going to have almost like back-to-back French Opens, but whatever. So in this episode, we're going to hear from an actual French player who knows a thing or two about Paris, about Roland Garros as someone who reached the final last year. Fabrice Martin, he was an absolute treat interview. So let's hop into our interview with Fabrice. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guest double specialist Fabrice Martin. He's talking about how he got started in the game of tennis. Keep listening. All right, Fabrice Martin, welcome to the show. It is awesome to have you. We're here in West Virginia where World Team Tennis is happening. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. And you're a top doubles player. How did you become focused only on doubles? Is that something you started as singles and then turned into doubles and now you're a doubles specialist? Yeah, so uh, basically I, I, I started playing doubles only 
in 2016. So I played all my career singles. I, 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 so five, five years ago, I was uh, 28. So from 16 to 28, I played only singles and obviously doubles, but has a second priority. So yeah, I, I tried my best in singles. My best ranking was 220. So I, I yeah, um, I wanted to go obviously in the top 100, but uh, I need to make money as well and uh, make a living of tennis. So um, I knew I had a shot in doubles and I knew whenever I didn't want to keep going with tennis, I knew I was going to try for doubles. And uh, and luckily that first year I tried in doubles, I, I went I did really well. So five years later, I'm still playing tennis and still living from my passion. So I'm very happy to be playing tennis still. Take me through the beginning of tennis for you. For those who don't know, you're from France. When did you start playing? How did you get into it? When did you know you were so good that you wanted to go pro? Like, let's explain that. Little Fabrice. <laughs> Little Fabrice. So, yeah, so I was born in the southwest of France in Bayonne. And my brother was playing tennis for for fun on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And one day, I, my mom uh, took me to pick him up, and I I just picked picked up the racket and started hitting against the wall. And and then my mom asked if I could come and play. I was only five years old, and the the, the coach, the, the 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 club director said I could come on Saturdays. So I just started doing this, and after. After a few years, I was playing tennis, soccer, rugby, and judo. I think I had many options, and um, but I was I was obviously uh, liking soccer because you had all, all, my, all my friends were playing soccer at the time. But my tennis coach said I was good at it, and uh, my mom kept uh, putting me one more day during the week, and I ended up starting being pretty good of the young young players from that region so yeah by 12 I had to stop other sports because you want to start to be good somewhere so I I, I only started playing do- uh, singles um, tennis after uh, after that so um, then we moved to the States with my parents uh, I mean we first moved to Colombia for my dad's job for two years so that was that was fun <laughs> And uh, then my, me and my mom, because it was a bit dangerous at that time, we moved to Florida with my mom. And my mom is a teacher uh, since uh, 2001 at the IMG Academy. So um, she's a school teacher. But uh, when we moved there in 2001, I, I played tennis and she was a teacher. So uh, I, was lucky, I was lucky to be part of the Boliteri Academy. And, uh, and my mom is still there now. So... Whenever I go visit my parents in Florida, I, I can train at, uh, at IMG Academies. Okay, so you grew up at IMG in Bradenton, Florida. No yeah. wonder your English is so good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Did you grow up uh, certain players that were there? And, you know, like who do, who were you training with? Yeah, so um, well, I was with the generation with the uh, Kei Nishikori and uh, the juniors. Uh, Juniors that are still playing right now, they're not that many, but uh, the the pros were Malice, uh, Max Mirny, Tommy Haas, uh, Sharapova, all the, all this generation. And um, yeah, so I, I, I arrived there, I was 15, and uh, I played some juniors, and then by 18 I had to make a decision with college or pro, and I, I went pro. And uh, yeah, that was great, I, I moved 
two years in Miami with a private sponsor that I was lucky to have. And then I ended up coming back to IMG after that. And then I moved to France and basically did all my pro career based uh, with the French coach. And uh, But I was still coming back in the winter at IMG to see my parents and train. But now you're based in France? No, I'm based in Burlington, Florida. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And when you were 18 and you were making a decision, did you ever consider college seriously? And if you did, was there a certain school you thought about? Yeah, so uh, my mom, is, is, she's a teacher, so like school was always big. And uh, But my dad is is a sport guy, so I guess uh, he had the last word. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to go pro as well. But yeah, I was talking to um, a few schools. Uh, UK, Kentucky was uh, out there, the Duke as well. Uh, I don't remember, but yeah, because I was playing juniors and there's always a lot of coaches from uh, from universities at those schools. But yeah, at that time, uh, I had a, a few opportunities, but I don't regret it because um, now I'm still here playing tennis and that's what I always wanted to do. And you're doing great. I mean, you started the year winning a title here. Yeah. You're one in uh, Adelaide, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, I, somehow uh, every year... Uh, the, f- the first week or second week that I play, I've done well since I started playing doubles. So I guess my training is good in the off-season, but I always start pretty strong the, the most uh, most of the time. So this year I played with uh, a different partner, but I try, uh, the last two years I tried to play with Jeremy Charlie. So um, we hopefully the tour starts again and we're going to keep playing. Okay, so let's talk about the French Open. You made the final last year. Yeah. And then this year, instead of having to go there in May and having a chance to, you know, reach the final again, maybe win, mm-hmm. you have to wait until September, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah, that's, it's going to be different because the weather is not going to be the same. Yeah, I mean, I, we had, I mean, I have such a, an amazing memory just being at home and making the finals of my first slam was, um, yeah, it was a dream come true. I was, of course, I was disappointed to to lose the final. But uh, when I think of all the the tournament, I was the best uh, memory of my career by far. Because all my friends, my family, that don't get the chance to see me play or be with me during the year, they got to see like my best results. So that was that was amazing and. Uh, even uh, even after we lost the finals we i think we party like we won it so <laughs> so that was that that's something that uh that you will remember for life no the, the those moments you share with your families and your your friend and that's priceless you know? that's so good to hear that that you celebrated anyway that's yeah, awesome yeah. <laughs> that was great you should though i mean it's still impressive to make it to the podium and now hopefully you have another chance but i still think having it in september is going to be so weird the weather i mean yeah. what's weather like in in france in september almost october it's, yeah the, it, it'd be cold some days uh beginning of september is usually nice but by the end of september october it starts to be chilly and uh and yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. We, we still don't know what's going to happen because right now I just talked to some friends in France and some cases are going up again. So I think everything can change again. It's good that here in uh, White Sulphur Springs, there's nothing to do. <laughs> like It's actually good. That's true. Yeah, that's the problem with New York and Paris and Madrid and 
those series, I don't know if all the players will will be this way. It's all, but it's also great because people in here that are here in World Team Tennis are focusing on tennis, right? And mm-hmm. you've got some big names and doubles. I mean, huge names and doubles. The Bryans are here. Yeah, yeah. What is it like knowing that you have such competition? It's not, you know, it's not. These are high-ranked players. So many Grand Slam champions are here. Yeah, that's, uh, singles and doubles. Yeah, like you said, the Bryans. For me, the Bryans have been the example f- for any doubles players. They are the team or the player you want to become with all the titles they have. It's it's tough to to match them but uh they're still out there with they they love you when you see them after all the matches all the tournaments they play like they still have fun and they still enjoy playing so it, they're they're great guys and uh, i think uh, even singles guys can can look up to them and and i wish they can have that spirit when you're 40 something years old yeah with kids many kids yeah. running around yeah they, they have yeah yeah it's funny to see them with their family and they're always smiling and they're always happy. It's great to see. Like it's it's, pre- it's a pretty model family, you know? <laughs> Have you thought about how long you want to keep going? I think you're 33. 33, yeah. Uh, they're, I think they're 42, it, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, when you th- see it that way. But um, yeah, as long as the, my body's uh, fine and, and I don't have any kids, so that's... I mean, when you see now the players mostly travel with the kids and they, they try to at least uh, have them a few weeks during the year. So I think even with kids, it's possible to keep playing. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 re- I'm ready to go for a few more years. Yeah, hopefully. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, you're listening to the Tennis.com podcast with special guest Fabrice Martin. He's sharing why doubles isn't as respected in his home country of France as it is in America. Keep listening. What about um, off-court interests? You know, I know there's a lot to do here particularly, but in general, what do you get up to when you're not playing tennis? Uh, I read I l- somewhere that you surf. Is yeah, that I love, I was going to okay. say, yeah, I love surfing. Like, uh, I was in uh, in Florida before coming here, and but the waves are not so good, but... Whenever there's a small, I have a friend there that uh, lives on the beach, and he always uh, calls me if, if I'm in town. And there's a, the smallest wave, but uh, we still go out there and and still enjoy it. Uh, I'm from Bayonne, and it's it's uh, Biarritz is is right next to Bayonne. And it's a really famous town for surfing. I'm not so good at it. I just love to just ride the wave and stand up and follow the wave. And I've always grew grew up. Being in the water, like my my parents used to take us to the beach, and we would be five hours at the beach, and we would be four and a half hours in the water. So that's that's the and my dream is to have like a, a house on the beach and just spend a lot of time on the water. Yeah, I, I love it. Then, but then I love rugby as well. Uh, I don't play it, but I love to watch, and I love. Um, 
lot of soccer, like every French person, but uh, it's tough to follow on the tour. But uh, yeah, whenever I can, I, we, uh, I either watch or I, I play a little bit. Well, during the shutdown, it was four months. Did you get in some surfing? Because technically that's socially distanced, no. but the beach might have been closed. Yeah, the beach were closed in France. Uh, but I live in... Uh, during the lockdown, I was in Montpellier in France. It's on the beach, but it's the Mediterranean Sea, so it's really flat. And there's, they do a lot of kite surfing, but I, I, I'm not, I don't like so much. But uh, you know, during the lockdown, I bought a, the rowing machine. Mm-hmm. So I bought it the first day of the because the lockdown was pretty strict in France. Like um, we we had to have. Um, a permit to get out of the house and uh, it was so it was one hour of running per day or either you ha- you could go uh, one time per day to the grocery store and get some food but that was it so uh, I would use that hour to get out of the house and maybe go for a jog and the rest of the time you everyone was stuck at home and the police was kind of riding bikes or with the cars checking if you had a permit so that was uh, two and two months and a half like that. Every tennis courts were closed, every gym, every restaurant. So yeah, it, it was it was bad because mm. m- my parents went Brenton during that the lockdown, and uh, it was they were still able to go. And my friends from Florida, they could still find courts to hit. And so, but uh, it's uh, it was good. I uh, did some good training on, on the rowing machine and. Uh, yeah, it, it, it got me, I don't know about stronger, but it makes you feel like how lucky we are when we are playing or playing outside or being able to travel during the whole year. It's very, It's we have such an amazing sport and uh, to be able to travel and see the world and have friends all over the world, it's, it's so much fun. So when you're stuck in one place, for two months without going anywhere, you feel a bit depressed, no? So now I'm back to be happy again, uh, to be back again. I haven't heard any uh, or anything remotely that dramatic for the lockdown. Like I know oh, yeah? I was I was in New York okay. and then my parents are in Florida, but I haven't heard anyone explain it like that. That's that's crazy. Yeah, no, it was bad in France. France, uh, Italy, and and Spain was the same. So yeah, it was. Nothing. TV, a sofa, <laughs> and we cooking and do some sports. But that was it. You couldn't do much. It's great though because it does seem like everyone here is is playing well and everyone's competitive. All the matches are tight. No one's undefeated. But you guys are doing well as a freedom. So it's it's fun that you're you you pull this together. Yeah, yeah, no, but it, it's it's very good. Like the um, the team is doing good and everybody's back. Is happy to be back playing. So we're really pumped. I have one last question. Have you noticed that the British guys, there's so many British players yeah. here, doubles guys, they're all so good at doubles. Yeah. And I think it's because they have like Louis K in their corner. Yeah, that's what I, I, that's what I heard. And uh, he's, uh, I haven't had any lessons or him on the court with me, but uh, I hear a lot of good things from him and um, he's uh, changed the way British uh, play doubles, I guess, because uh, there's maybe, I don't know, five or six uh, f- British guys here playing, or, yeah, f- playing doubles, so that's that's impressive, no, uh, for 
a small country like they they don't have that many singles players but they have a, a lot of doubles guys and even at the challenger level and future levels the british always love to play and i think they're using louis uh, tactique or training to play doubles so it's working out yeah it's good to see like doubles prioritize you know for yeah. a change yeah that's good cuz I'm French, and uh, in France, doubles is uh, it's, it's not seen as a good thing. I think uh, we players don't do a good job about uh, uh, talking about doubles, or even when I was playing futures and challengers in singles, like uh, always, there players who will always m not make fun of me, but because uh, I will always try to win the tournament in doubles. I, whenever I signed to a tournament, I always wanted to win whatever it was, singles, doubles, mixed, whatever. I, I always wanted to win. So I never got why they will play singles and go home and not play doubles or play doubles one round and tank or go home, you know? So that's one. That's the French mentality and still now. So And when you hear... When you hear uh, Bartoli uh, saying, when she s says stuff like this, it's, it's just not putting the sport uh, going forward. It's just going back to. It's not. It's just not going. It's not good for the, the doubles. So, uh, but that's that's uh, for me. That's just the French people because uh, we have amazing doubles players, but uh, you have none of the kids, or the coming kids now that. Want to try for doubles career to have a doubles career? There's n there's not many French guys playing, but when whenever we have a doubles team, they yeah they're very good. But none of the coaches, I think, I think uh, they they think of a second option as a doubles career, which is a shame. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I I've noticed that there's a little bit of like a stigma around being only doubles and yeah. how everyone put singles really high up and doubles really low but yeah. you know I think the Bryans maybe have helped and players like Bethany Maddox Sands who True, yeah. get that little bit more push but like mm -hmm. anyone can can push for doubles it's yeah, just for a shame sure, yeah. there's I amazing think, French yeah. players too yeah yeah I think it's the the British the uh, the Americans the Australians they've done a great job even the Indians uh, there are a lot of doubles players they just see it as a different sport and uh and uh, a way to, you know, the the Indians are very proud to have all the success they had in the doubles uh, career, and uh, yeah, same with the Americans. It's just that um, I don't know. They we don't have that mentality, which is is that's that's the way it is. But in in even in the French tournaments, you feel that it's all about the singles and the doubles is okay yeah put them on court 25 <laughs> yeah but you're yeah. at least it's good you're still making a living and you're still yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i don't yeah. care yeah. i'm i'm doing it for myself and and uh i'm still proud uh, to of my career and what i do so i but i just think it's a shame to think this way because a lot of people enjoy playing doubles uh, in france you go to a club everybody plays doubles i just don't don't see why um they talk about doubles that way. Yeah, and most people play doubles. Most recreational yeah. players are playing mm -hmm. doubles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Fabrice, thank you for All your right. time. Yeah. It's been really, really fun getting to know you a little bit better. And yeah. hopefully, you Thanks. know, we see more of you out there soon. I guess I'll see you around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Thanks. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app as well as tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and tennis.com's Facebook page. 
We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.